0: Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. We just come, go ahead and take a praise moment and thank God for the rain that was poured out on this land. Come on. Believe the grass is getting taller, the, fa- the cattle are getting fatter, and the horses' feet are getting softer. Praise the Lord. Well, if you had not been here over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this uh, series of He's Coming Back, and I'll be honest with you, I've, I've had a really hard time bringing this uh, to an end because the Lord's put some other things in my heart that I want to share. But my whole heart's desire through all of this was, was, was this, that we start, rather than looking down, you know, uh, I, I shared it in the morning in Psalms chapter 5, and verse 3. He said, in the morning I will look up. David said this, this is a cry of his heart. And can I tell you not only as America, but as the body of Christ with moral decline and economy and things that are going on, it's so easy for us to look down. But can we make a commitment to one another with this? See, I believe this. He says, no one knows the day or the hour. I believe he's talking to the unbeliever there. Because I believe us as the believer, we're always looking up. How many of y'all know every day we should taste and see that the Lord is good? No matter what the doctor says, no matter what letters came in, no matter where our marriage is, I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. That his mercy endures forever. Come on, how many of y'all know we serve the king of all kings? Amen? The Lord of all lords. The alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. So my whole focus was this, that we need to, we, we need to look up rather than look down. Because Jesus is coming back for the church. In fact, uh, I, I, in uh, Ephesians, he says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. You know, sometimes I think Jesus is coming back for a church with two flat tires like going to push us out on the stretcher? Can we make a commitment to one another that we're going to put our stake in the ground? I heard a story uh, a couple of weeks ago about how Indian war tre- chiefs, I forget what tribe it was, but they would put a stake in the ground when they would go to war. They would give them 10 feet of rope and rawhide around their ankle and says, I am staying here till the battle's over. Can we put a stake in the ground and saying, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to dry up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I don't care what my family thinks about me. I'm going to serve the Lord with vigor and excitement. Amen. I'm going to paint myself blue and do it for Scotland. Let's go, baby. And so uh, over the last couple of weeks, I, I, I hope that you see this, that, In John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you for where I am there, you will be also. This is not a scary thing. You know, growing up in the church, it was like, ah, Jesus is coming back. We should not be scared. Listen, if you're scared, you need to get your heart right. You need to get your life right, because this is a love story. He longs, in Revelations 19 and 20, he longs to be with us. He wants to spend eternity with you and I. And I talked about uh, why he does it, because he loves us. But I looked at what it looks like in Revelation. I tried to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody would would see it, of how what we'll go through in the church age of where we are today, the the, the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians talks about... First Thessalonians chapter 4 it talks about the rapture of the church and what that looks like. And then it talks about the tribulation, the second coming of Christ. But then when does he come back? Again, no one knows the day or the hour. My own personal belief, it's going to get a whole lot worse than this. In fact, you read the stories, uh, the, the writings of Josephus. He said it would be like the days of Noah. And so in those times, it was they desperately needed a Lord. We would be caught up. When you study First Thessalonians, there'll be a time when we say, God, we need you to save us right now. Now, and aren't you thankful that we serve a Savior still today that gets us when we when he needs us? But this morning, if you would go to Matthew chapter 16, and I love this particular text, so I'm really having a hard time uh, ending this, but I believe today God has something in store for each and every one of us. I've studied this text many times before, really on, on five and six, and but let's just read one through three, and I believe I, I just want to share what the Lord showed me. Over, the, over this last week as I, I looked at this particular text. But it says, now the Pharisees and the Sadducees came up testing Jesus to get something to use against him. How I many y'all know we have some Pharisees and Sadducees in our lives? And he said, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven which would support his divine authority. But he replied to them, when it is his evening you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And I've never understood this text before, but I believe, I believe there's something in here this morning. He said, in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and has a threatening look. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but cannot interpret the signs of the times. Again, I believe God, how many of y'all know this is the infallible word of God? And Jesus, Matthew wouldn't put this in here if it didn't have meaning to it. In fact, if you're a new believer, I want to encourage you, I mean, I believe there's life in the book of Matthew, but... Uh, there's so much, you gotta understand, Matthew is a Jew writing to Jews, so he, the Jews are understanding the language that Jesus is using here. If you're a new believer, go to the book of John, and that, that, will, that will really open your eyes to some things, but in verse one, he has these Pharisees and Sadducees that are coming to him that are asking him to show him a sign in the Amplified which would support his divine authority. You know, I've always found this funny. You just go two chapters over, and you see that Jesus does a miracle with five loaves and two fish from a little boy. He multiplies it and feeds 5,000 people. In fact, the latter part of chapter 15, he feeds 4,000 people. But you got to understand this about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They understood this, that a demon, they believed that devils and demons could do works on the earth. They could do, perform miracles like that, but the only signs that came from God would be done in the heavens. And so they're asking him for a divine authority. Isn't it amazing when people are blind? They just, obviously they can't see, but sometimes they try not to see. But there's blind people that can see things better than people with eyes. Here's a perfect example. I read a book this last summer, and I forget which book it was, but I read this story about this girl. It's a French lady inside of a village somewhere, and it happened like 50, 60 years ago. And... Uh, this missionary gave this blind girl that was from France a book of the book of Mark in Braille. And she read the book of Mark so many times and it blessed her so much that she got calluses on her fingers. And she got so disgusted that she had calluses on her fingers because she, it brought life to her reading the book of Mark that she took a knife and cut off her calluses from her fingers so it would be sensitive enough for her to study the word of God. Wouldn't that be something as we as a body of Christ wanted to study the word that way? But then it came to a point where she cut off the calluses so many times that she lost all feeling in her hands and it it broke her, it depressed her. So what she did was, is she took that Braille and she put it up to her lips because it was sensitive and she could still read the book of Mark. See, my point is this. If a blind person is desperate enough, even without eyes, they can see the truth. And there's people just like what he's writing right here. He says this, but he replied to them, when it is evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. See, these Sadducees and Pharisees, they studied the law and they believed the law. But the fact of the matter was, he's saying he gives them a comment of what sailors do uh, to know what the weather is going to be like. But he says you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Basically this. There has been prophecy that has been prophesied that I'm coming and you still don't believe it. Are you hearing me this morning? So you, you, you believe all this stuff? <laughs> I'm just here to charge you this morning. You believe all this stuff that's going on in the news? You believe all the stuff that's happening all around you? Do you believe the word or not? Come on. How many of y'all believe the infallible truth of the word of God? Either we believe it or not. Either we believe he's a provider or we don't. Either we believe he's the healer or we don't. I don't know about you, but there's been some prophecy that's already happened. Come and be fulfilled. One of the ones I shared with you is Matthew 24. He said, not one of these stones will be, will be together. And it happened a few years later that, that, that the Romans took down the temple of God. It was hard for them to see, but that happened. In fact, Daniel saw the world empires on the face of the earth He was a Babylonian empire at the time, but it would be changed to the Persians, and it came to pass. Let's just talk about Jesus for a second. See, these guys had read Zechariah. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they read the book of Micah. They had read Malachi. They had read Isaiah. And if they had paid attention, they knew this, that there was the Savior that was coming that would be born of a virgin in Isaiah chapter 7. How many of y'all know that he was born of a virgin? So prophecy had been fulfilled. Uh, the Bible tells us in Micah, Micah chapter 5, Micah prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem, and he was. Uh, Nathanael prophesied that he would be raised with the Nazarenes in Nazareth, and he was. He, uh, um, in Matthew's gospel, it prophesied that he would be called out of Egypt. There was a time that Jesus went into Egypt, and he was called out of there. In, in Isaiah 40, and Malachi chapter 3, uh, the Bible prophesied that he would be shown to Israel through the baptism of John the Baptist. In Zechariah, it was prophesied he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver by Judas, and he was. How many of y'all know prophecy has been fulfilled here? In Psalm 22, the the Bible uh, prophesies that they would cast lots for his clothes, and it happened. In Deuteronomy 21, he said, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. He prophesied this, but in Galatians 3, it says that he broke the curse for you and I. Aren't you thankful that he broke that curse? In Isaiah 53, he prophesied that he would be buried with the rich, and he was. It was prophesied that he would rise again on the third day. How many of all thankful for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Amen. Second service, you're doing better than first. I'm already preaching. All right? You keep shouting like that. I believe the Lord has something good for us today. My whole point is this. If it came to pass then, how many of you know it's going to come to pass today? If he prophesied all those things and it came to pass and he said this, I'm coming back. So I'm here to tell you, if he said it, I believe it. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming back for the church. His word will be fulfilled. But just like in this particular text here of the Sadducees and Pharisees, how many of y'all know there is going to be people in your life to try to block you from knowing that Jesus is coming back? Like already, there's some of you that's been sharing with friends and family and be like, oh, that's not the truth. Or you got on YouTube like, like a moron and, and, and begin to see, look up different stuff of things that were happening in the earth. And, and, and um, if you're not careful, the things you look at and see, it will talk you out of knowing that Christ is coming back for the church because of this. And I, and I told you I would hit on this and, and I could preach a whole sermon on this. But there is a spirit of Antichrist in the earth today. There's a spirit of the Antichrist in the earth today. And I want to bring an alarm to you that if we're not careful, the spirit of the Antichrist could come right in this house. And if we're not careful, the spirit of the Antichrist can easily come in your home by the things that you watch, by the things that you say, by the things, the people you bring in. And we've got to bring attention to this. It says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 3, he says, Let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. Remember, we talked about this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Take heed, meaning blow the trumpet. The very first thing that will happen is there will be worldwide deception in the earth. He says, For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness. Everybody say Lawlessness. Is revealed the son of destruction. Another name that he has is the son of perdition. Another name that he has is Little Horn. We see that in the book of Daniel. In Revelation, he talks about the Antichrist as well. But in verse 4, he said, He who opposes and exalts himself above every so called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, publicly proclaiming that he himself is God. I believe there is even ministers in the earth, in the world today behind the pulpit that they truly think that they're a God to those people. It's a spirit of Antichrist. Verse 5 is this. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I was telling you these things? Verse 6, and you know what restrains him now. Everybody say restraints. And everybody say, I'm the restraint. I'm the restraint. I'm restraining the Antichrist. It is so that he will be revealed at his own time. In Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness... Rebellion against divine authority and the, the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work, but it, but it is restrained only until he who now restrains it is taken out of the way. I told you this before. The Spirit of God is restraining the Antichrist. And once the Spirit of God is gone, the Antichrist can come. But there is a Spirit that's here. In fact, I believe, I, I, I mean, it could be very possible that the Antichrist is alive today. But the thing of it is, is there was a spirit that's crept, especially into America. Right away, you can see two years ago, this, these, the, spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist is lawless. How many of y'all know of, of, of this charge that people are going against not having cops and not having uh, sheriffs? How many of y'all know we as a body of Christ need to lift up our officers, need to lift up our military? Come on, who's with me this morning? We need to lift up those that protect us. Now, is there bad apples in the bunch? Yes, there is. There always is. But we need to pray for our sheriff, sheriffs that they'd be men, uh, uh, men of God, that our deputies be men and women of God, that, we, uh, that there's remnants in, still inside the Marine Corps, that there's remnants still in the Army, that there is still remnants inside of the Air Force. Come on, who believes with me this morning that can rise up and be a voice? But the spirit of Antichrist is this, totally against law. You know what was happening in, in uh, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington? That is the Antichrist spirit. What's happening even with, with uh, those um, BLM movements and the, and the Antifa and those types of things, I'm telling you, that is a demonic work in the earth of the spirit of Antichrist. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with them coming against the law of the land. How I many of you know God, as, as the people of God, he's called us to uphold the laws of the land? Here's another spirit of the Antichrist is the destroyer. Isn't it amazing the destruction that's happening in the earth today? Destruction. It's destruction. I'm telling you, even the things of like these storms, and I know they've been happening for a long time, but things that are coming in and destroying everything, I, I'm telling you this has happened because of the spirit of the Antichrist has come in. I believe that with all my heart. This is another thing, the antichrist, he's anti-God. How many of y'all know, if we're not careful, the movies we watch are anti-God? Don't get quiet on me. It sounds like a Presbyterian church in here. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll let that garbage right in. Anti-Christ. Addison, the other day, um, we were, we were going down the road. We were going on a road trip, and she was looking for something on Netflix. And she said, Mom, can I watch the trailer of the Jeffrey Dahmer story? <laughs> no. Yeah, Come on. Let's make a pact with one another as a body of Christ, that we ain't just weekend warriors. We're everyday warriors in the body of Christ. And we're not going to let that garbage inside of our home. We're not going to let our kids watch that garbage as well. I don't want anti-God anything. I want the King of Kings living inside of my home. Amen. Here's another. Uh, obviously, one of the spirits of the Antichrist is deception, but another one is this: a heretic. He's a heretic. He's. It's false doctrine. I'm telling you, if you're not careful, I've been warning you over the last couple of weeks. But if you're not careful, that deception of false doctrine that's in the world today behind pulpits of people that you may trust, you be careful what you hear. Right. Be careful what you watch. But there is a deceiver out there. We need to know, I'm just trying to raise the alarm this morning that there is a spirit of antichrist, but we the church, you know what the Bible says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm telling you, we as the church need to ri- rise up like a standard. But I'll just, over the next couple of minutes, want to prepare our hearts for this. Revival ready. Amen. Everybody say revival. revival. Everybody say revival. revival. Pastor, you've, you've said this. I know there's somebody that came to me a couple of weeks ago, and they said, I've heard you in times of prayer pray for an awakening and a shakening, but I've also heard you pray for revival. Well, I'm praying for an awakening and a shakening to happen in America. I mean, y'all know we need to be like the church at Sardis, and we need to wake up to the things that are happening around us. I'm believing, God, that in this country that there is being an awakening. In fact, Pastor Robert said this morning, November the 8th, here's your charge as a Christian believer. Go and vote. Go and vote. Come on, it's it's our righteous indignation to go vote. And we can't complain until... We've made our voice clear. And you know what we vote for, right? We vote for the word of God. We vote for Israel. We vote for heterosexual marriages. Amen? Man and a woman. Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. Come on, somebody. That's what we vote for. We vote for those things. And it's so important that we do that. But... uh, Talking about revival, it's awakening and a shakening that happens inside the country, but I believe it's a revival that happens in the house of God. And I'm believing for that restoration work. In fact, I read you that this morning of a time in Israel where they were coming out of exile. How many of y'all know we have felt for the last three years in America like we've been in exile? Where it hadn't rained? But I'm believing for reviving and a restoration work that God's going to do in the house of God. Where blind eyes will see, deaf ears will hear, lame will walk. Come on, people get saved in the presence of God. Come on, who's in here? You're believing for a loved one to come to the Lord. How many of y'all have sons and daughters that need to come, to come to the Lord? How many of y'all have spouses out there that you come on your own, that you need them to taste and see that the Lord is good? I'm telling you, that's revival. See, we've been messed up for years. People think revival is a three-day tent meeting, and every night they go home and do the same thing they did as before they came in. I'm telling you, it's so much more than that. And in this particular story, if you have your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 2. We see in verse chapters 1 and 8, they're in the upper room there, and Jesus told them, he said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And they received the power of the Holy Spirit. I said something the other night that, that I believe was by the Spirit of God. There's so many people... That you feel like God's called you to be a judge. So I just want to talk about the courts of heaven just for a second. In the courts of heaven, God's not called you to be the judge. How many of you know he's the judge? In the courts of heaven, he's not called you to be a defense attorney or the counsel. You know what he's called you to do on this earth? Be a witness. What did the blind man say? I don't know what happened. I just know this. I was blind, but now I can see. How many of y'all know you have a testimony of God setting you free? I just know this. I was one time addicted to alcohol. LaVonna could say this from the first service. I was addicted to alcohol, but now this. I've been set free. I no longer need alcohol inside of my body. At one time, I was addicted to drugs, but I'm not addicted to drugs no more. At one time, I was a lion, cheat, no good, counterfeit, unfunctioning society to America, but I can say today that I'm a kingdom warrior, that he has set me free, that I... And go into all the world and preach the gospel, share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I just know this. I can't explain it. I can't contain it. Jesus, your love is so, so amazing. Come on, how many of y'all know? I just want you to see this morning. God has not called you to be a judge. I see people on Facebook. You're like, why well, you always got to be judging me? And they get they they. What they're doing is, is they go back after people and they fall into the pit. What they're doing to them, they do back to them. God's called you to be a witness. Amen? How many of y'all know God's called us to be a witness? And so this is what they do. They get the Holy Ghost and they go begin to witness. Can we just go ahead and say that God's called us to be a witness at Sack? I told you it was like last year I was standing in line getting... Uh, Some prescriptions for the kids and there was a lady behind me and she she had a mask on and I said, Ma'am, you know the pandemic is over. You don't have to wear that anymore. And she said this. She goes, I just came from the doctor. I tested positive for the flu. And I said, You know what my Bible says? Is all right if I share the word with you? And she goes, Yes, I'm a believer. I said, Well, my Bible says in Mark 16, you'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. In fact, Mark 16 says you'll cast out demons and see them recover. So I laid hands on word that, that, that the very power of God be in operation. How many of you know God's called us to be a witness at United? Yes. God's called us to be a witness at Walmart. Yes. God's called us to be a witness at Pakistak, wherever we are. Yes. And so he begins to be this witness. But the day of Pentecost comes, and in verse 14, if you go with me there, <clears throat> uh, people begin to gather when God moves. Yes. And this is what happens. But Peter... I just want to stay, stop right there. You're about to see 3,000 people get saved. You're about to see revival happen in Samaria or in Judea. You're about to see the hand of God go in operation. But, I love it says this, but Peter. You know who we're talking about, right? We're talking about the guy that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to give you the kings of the kingdom. And then Peter rebukes Jesus. Who, rebu- who, who even rebukes Jesus, Peter does. That's how stupid he was. He, he did so many things that were so wrong. In fact, Jesus told him, he said, hey, you're going to deny me three times. He said, no, I'm not. He lies to him. And then he denies him first time by a little girl with pigtails by a fire. <laughs> he denies him three times. In fact, one of, the, one of the things that I remember about, I heard a sermon here recently on how Peter went from humanity to divinity. And one of the things that the pastor was preaching the message that I thought of afterwards that he didn't bring up was when the last part of John, when he is by the fire, he's cooking fish, Jesus comes, he's been risen from the dead, and he comes to Peter and he says this, do you love me, Peter? Isn't it amazing? I'm sure he was already feeling then like, I can't believe the Lord's even talking to me after I denied him three times. And he comes to me and says, do you love me, Peter? The thing of it is, when he said, do you love me, he said it in the words of agape, which is agape is the love of God, which we see in First Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, is not envious, is not boastful, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love that never fails. How many of y'all know agape love is a love that never fails? How many of y'all know he never leaves us and he never forsakes us, right? The love that he has for us. But when Peter hears the question, Peter, do you love me? Peter replies back to him, he says this, You know I love you, but he says it in phileo. He says it in brotherly love, just like this. Like maybe some of you are dating out, we're dating. Now you're married or you're in a part of your relationship or you've experienced this before. When somebody said to you, I love you, and you said back, I like you. How many of y'all know that's an awkward moment? That's an awkward moment when they say they like you after they have poured out their heart and said that they love you. But this is almost, this is like what Peter did. He said, I I appreciate you. The word that he used was phileo love, not agape love. So he asked him again. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said it in agape, you know, that love that never fails. And Peter replies back to him. He says, you know I love you, phileo, like you. But the third time, he says to Peter, do you love me? And he said, you know I, agape, love you. Aren't you thankful we serve a God that never gives up on us? He says back to him in an agape love, he said, then feed my sheep. So when he experiences this love of God, he gets into this divinity. He comes into a new place. But Peter, I just want to remind some people, you say, you know what? I've messed up on the Lord so many times. See, if we're going to get into revival, you've got to be like Peter and have revival in your own heart. You need to get past what you did, who you were. What's happened to you? Let's put it on the cross. Cast all your care on him for he cares for you. It's people like you that's had a rough past that God wants to use now in the present. How many of y'all know he forgives you of your sins and he cleans you from all unrighteousness? The hardest person for you to forgive is yourself. But Christ has forgiven you. Come on. How many of y'all thankful that Christ has forgiven you? So here is a guy that is a mess up. He's a screw up. He's done everything wrong. He's, he's, he's said the wrong things. He's done the wrong things. He's been at the wrong place at the wrong time. But Christ still sees if he would just turn his passion from the world and put it back onto me, I will reach 3,000 people. But Peter, everybody say Peter. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. So a boldness. How many of y'all know the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion? He says, men of Judea and all of you live in Jerusalem, let this be explained to you. Listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you assume, since it's only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is the beginning of what we spoke through the prophet Joel. And I want to declare it today. And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bondservant, both men and women. How many of y'all know God wants to work through some women in the last days? Come on, women, you ought to be like, yeah, come on, preach. preach. Preach, preach that. I will in those days pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will bring about wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, smoking vapor. Thus, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. I don't know if y'all remember just even a year ago, we had a blood moon. We've had several that we hadn't had in centuries. It says, before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes, verse 21, and it shall be that everyone, everybody say everyone. everyone. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord invoking, adoring, and worshiping the Lord Jesus shall be saved. They'll be rescued spiritually. You know what I'm believing God for? He said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Number one, write this down. I have it wrote down. I don't know how long ago I wrote it, but I have it wrote right here in the box. Number one is this. It's God's promise to us that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. There'll be a great falling away. We know this. But I know for my life, I want the Spirit of God. I want the Spirit of God. I want it in my family. I want it in my kids. It's a promise. You know, we watch every day on our television. Politicians give us promises that they never fulfill. And if we're not careful, we'll take that same fervor for them and we'll put it, we'll put it in the same box with God. God. I don't know about you. You know, there's times in the morning. Nansen just told me, or he told me the night before, he said, Dad, I promise I'm gonna take out the trash first thing in the morning. Parents? Yeah, lies. <laughs> 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 I mean, y'all know family members, their promises can be about 50-50. But how many of y'all can lift your voice and say, you know what, the promises of God are always yes and amen. Amen? How many of y'all can, could say this? You know what? He promised me that he would heal my body. Lift your hand if the Lord has healed your body before, if he's promised you that. L- lift your hand if he has provided for you, that he supplies all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? How many of y'all have ever, can lift your hand and say, he promised protection over me? He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You may not necessarily see it. You may not feel it, but he always comes through in the midnight hour. He always comes through because he cannot break his promise. Promise keeper, miracle worker. When we sing that song, I believe with all my heart that it is a promise from Almighty God that he is gonna pour out his spirit on all flesh. So I'm not gonna be wooed by the news, I'm not gonna be looking down because of what I'm hearing. What people are telling me, I'm going to be looking up because he promised that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Come on, who's hearing me this morning? Come on, who needs to hear this today? Amen. Revival ready, number one, you need to rely on his promise. Number two is power. I said it last week. Pastor and I was playing with another pastor here in town and, and spending some time there. And we talked about how today people don't, They don't necessarily join a church because it's good preaching, because you can get good preaching anywhere on YouTube and those types of things. Now, I believe you need to be in the house of the Lord with all my heart. When they were in one accord, the the power of God was in operation. But you know what gets people, even even last uh, couple weeks ago, we were at a church and we saw all these toys and gadgets that they have. But I believe this, people will come when they see the power of God in operation. And you know what the most amazing power of God in operation is? People getting saved. I mean, we love signs and wonders. We love the lame walk and the blind seeing. But you know what? There is nothing more powerful. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the power of God unto salvation. There is. Listen, your grandpappy's pappy's pappy will not forgive you, but Jesus already did and paid the price for you and I. Salvation is the most powerful gift that he gives us. We need to see the power of God. That's why I urge you, invite your neighbors, invite your friends. I'll try not to scare them off. But how how are we going to get people saved if we don't first invite them? How are we going to have revival, a reviving, if we don't get lost people in here? So the lost will be found so they can taste what you've tasted and see what you've seen. Here's that other thing that I wrote down, pouring, pouring, pouring. I don't know about you, but I need a pouring. I don't want just a little bit of rain. I want a saturating. I mean, in every area of my life, I want to experience the presence of God, the Spirit of God, that I'm soaked. Like, you know when you're soaked, everything you touch gets soaked. Like when it snows, it's all over your house. Wouldn't that be something if we walked in the presence of God in every activity that we did, that when we came in the house, we left it all over the house? Are you hearing me? That when we walked inside of Pakisak, we took the presence of God all in Pakisak. We left traces of it everywhere. That people would get in there, they thought they were slipping, but it was a dose of the ghost. Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, that's a corny preacher joke right there. Uh, come on. How I many of y'all know we need, we, we need to be so uh, saturated with the presence of God in our life? Amen. See, if we know this, we'd be careful what we're taking in. Here's the next one is this. It says in verse 21, it says, and it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. You know, if you're going to be ready for revival, you've got to love people. Everyone. You know, there's going to be people that come through their doors. They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They don't dress like us. They don't like the same things they, we like. They don't vote the same way we vote. But God's called us to love them. You know, there's people out there, you, you, you know them. They make your butt itch just as much as they do mine. That I don't understand them. I, 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 okay, just a perfect example. How many Longhorn fans do we have in the room today? How many Sooner fans do we have in the room today? A house divided will not stand. (laughs) But isn't that funny? We'll take those medial things that don't give a hill of beans and we'll hate people for it. I'm here to tell you, God's called us to love one another. If we're going to see revival in this house, we've got to expect the promise of God. That he would pour out a spirit on all flesh. If we're going to have revival, personal revival, let's rely on his power. Like, thank God for doctors of medicine and the wisdom they provide and the education they received. But if the first thing that you go to is a nurse rather than the healing power of God, switch it today. Amen. Number three is this: pouring, 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 pouring. Get saturated in the presence of God. You know, when the worship team sings up here, this is not a concert. That's right. That's right. This isn't for you to just watch. In fact, I wish like there was a big veil. went across. Cause they ain't up here to perform, they're here to get in the presence of God and usher you in but let's take that moment I told the sound guy at the second service, I said crank it you know why, this is, what, this is what grieves my heart during worship I can hear people talking around me I don't want to hear you talk it's not a time to talk talk when church is over, before it begins talk while I'm preaching to me No, don't talk while I'm preaching. Be lightning come down, (laughs) pouring out. It's getting His presence, be saturated, like the oil that covered went down Aaron's beard. The last one is people. Some of y'all need to repent today because there are some people that really chaps your hiney. God still called you to love them. I want to end it this way. It's another book I read this summer, and I'm not sure what what book it was, but I remember the story. made an impact on my life. It was about a community. I think it, it was years ago, but it was a community. It was a little steeple church inside of this community, and for three years, they hadn't had no rain. It had been a drought. And so the pastor knew this. He was preaching to the people, and he says this, I think we need to come together and pray. And we need to believe God for it to rain. Because without rain, cattle are not growing fat. That means that provision is not coming in. There's no hope. There's no survival. And we need God to move. And so he believes God for, he says, for three days, he says, we're going to come together three nights in a row and we're going to pray. And on the last night, an eight-year-old girl, she comes and she sits at the front row. She's surrounded by deacons and she is surrounded by um, elders inside of the church. And people come up, they grab the mic, they pray. I just want to tell you this, when we pray, let's cry out to the Lord. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Right? And so, anyways, the pastor comes up and he's going to close it out. Isaiah tells us that his word will not return void but accomplish what it's meant and to do he has his eyes closed and everybody has their eyes closed in the room and he's praying this very philosophical um, you know our father who art in heaven hallowed be he has the voice he has everything it's probably an English accent he's from West Texas hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done And as he's praying, he hears this sound. He looks up with one eye. He goes back down. He keeps praying. Finally, after the prayer, he looks up and he sees this little girl. She's sitting on the front row. She has a big smile, and she's twirling. She's twirling her her umbrella. And from the microphone, he looks at the girl and says, I can't believe while we're petitioning before the Lord and praying out to God that you have, you're playing around, you have an umbrella and you're twirling it on the front row. And that little eight-year-old girl goes, I can't believe we're praying for rain and nobody brought an umbrella. So I came to ask you this morning, do you believe the word or not? We can pray pray for revival all we want to, but you're gonna have to start being the hands and feet of Jesus. If we want in the last day for him to pour out his spirit out on all flesh, we've gotta have a faith like an eight-year-old girl. Either it is the truth or it's not. And I'm believing when I walk out of this place, it's going to storm and it's going to rain and I already got my umbrella. Taste and see that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. Come on, get this sound in your heart today. we do it one more time. Get it in your heart. Open the umbrella. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Hey, you know how one way you, so let's make this pact with one another. I said this in the first service. Even when you go eat at the restaurant today, you talk to waiters and waitresses, the crowd they hate the most is Sunday morning crowd. He's like, say that. We got a restaurant man right here, Papa D. You know how you can have the umbrella out? Be kind. Smile. Why don't you act like you're saved? Come on, who am I talking to this morning? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. I'm just here to tell you this. I believe the Spirit of God had not been poured out because we don't have the umbrella out and we don't believe that he can change this nation. I'm here to tell you, (laughs) uh, call me Luke Skywalker because I'm going up against the force. (laughs) Amen? And I'm getting my umbrella out and I'm going to be a part of the difference. I'm going to make a difference. And I'm telling you, as we begin to do that, be the hands and feet of Jesus and get the umbrella out. I'm telling you, we're believing God for rain. We're believing God for rain. Come on, who's going to believe God for rain with me this morning? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here and you say, you know what, pastor, you're talking directly to me. I need the heart of an eight-year-old girl to get the umbrella out. Who is it? Raise your hand and say, you know what, you're talking to me. Amen. Keep your hand raised. If you're out there and you say, you know what, I've lost... I've lost my fervor for his promise, for his power, his pouring out. And I need a personal revival being done in me. Just lift your hand. Who is it? Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. I believe this. I believe with all my heart that God, if you have your hand raised, keep it raised. I believe with all my heart, dad, mom, every male and female that's in the room, As you make a commitment before the Lord right now that revival happens in you, it will spread because his promise is true. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And God, we're believing. I hook my faith right now with these that have their hands raised. I pray, God, for revival in their business. I pray for revival in their family. That wayward sons and daughters are coming back to the body of Christ. I connect my faith with theirs, God, that their finances are turning around. I connect my faith with theirs that their marriage is being restored. I connect my faith that reviving. There is new life that's budding forth. The dead is falling to the ground. And there is a restoration work that's happening in them. As they're obedient to lift their hand and say, you know what? You're talking exactly to me. I'm getting the umbrella out. I'm praying for rain. God, rain on me. Rain on my family. Rain in my life. God, impart something into them right now in Jesus' name. By your power, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Waking up right now in Jesus' name. World changers. Daniels. Shadrachs. Meshachs. Abednego's. Gideon's Jonas. Turn around right now in Jesus' name. A turnaround. We choose to open up the umbrella. Come on, get that. Get it in your heart. Thank you, Lord. If you're in here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, He's my Lord, personal savior. There were some in the room that prayed this prayer with me in the first service. I believe there's some in the second. If you're out there and you're saying, you know what? I'm away from God. I don't know Jesus. There is sin in my life. I've separated myself from Him, but I want to get things right with Him because I want a revival to happen in me. And if you're in here... and... First of all, I believe there's people in here that are saved. Second of all, I believe there's people in here that you were you at one time you prayed the sinner's prayer but because of distractions and things you've turned your back on God. Number 3, I believe there's people in here you think you're saved just because your parents were saved. But you haven't asked for forgiveness of your sins. And you haven't lived that life. Number 4, I believe there's people in here you're not saved. Because every Christian in your life has ever been a hypocrite. I just want you to see this morning that we serve the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he loves you. He sent his only son in the world to die a terrible death to pay the penalty of death for us. So if you're out there, you're two, three, or four, you haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or you think you're saved, but you're not sure, and one time you were serving the Lord and you turned your back on Him. I want to pray with you today. If that's you, and you say you are going to acknowledge that, just lift your hand and say, you know what, Pastor? You're talking to me. You're talking to me. Lift your hand boldly. Amen. I see that hand. Praise God. Is there anybody else? Here's a second. This, now this is what we'll do. See hands in the room. Now this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus... I believe that you died for me. I admit I'm a sinner. But today, I believe you paid the debt for me. Come live in my heart, Jesus. You died, you were buried, and on the third day, you rose again. Come live in my heart. Make me new. Set me free. From this day forward, I will live with the umbrella open. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.